free about this. But the problem is, is when we hold on to anger, it turns into bitterness and resentment. And so that's why we want to learn how to let it go. The Bible, we're going to look at this. It's like anger by itself is not bad, but we just don't want to hold on to it because that's when it turns into something that becomes like a poison inside of us. So, uh, and actually, it's interesting because resentment, we don't, um, resentment in the Bible is called bitterness. It's, it's kind of, and the uh, definition for resentment is anger or bitterness. It's not just regular anger, though, but it's anger that just sort of stays there for a long time. So I want to talk about what to do with anger. And in uh, Proverbs 16, one of the keys is right here in this verse about anger. It says, uh, Proverbs 16 and verse 32, it says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. It says, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Now, this is really interesting because it says that there's power in being slow to anger. You know, where it gets scary is people that are rageful, people that are volatile, people that are just, you know, like got a short fuse, that kind of thing. Out of control anger is a scary thing. And I got confused with that for many years because I was raised in an extremely uh, physically abusive home. And so I always thought that if you got angry, like you could die. That was my perception of anger. And so for many, many years of my life, I thought I, I just would not allow myself to even ever express anger. And it's not like we don't feel those feelings, but I just really did everything to not connect with that, to not acknowledge the places that were angry, and just kind of deaden myself inside to this. Because it's disempowering to be out of control in your anger or in anything. That's what the renewed mind is. To have out of control emotions, feelings, etc., is disempowering. I mean, that's kind of cool that it says that somebody that's slow to anger is better than the mighty. There's power in that. And it's... Uh, and even if you rule your spirit, which is renewed mind that we talked about last week in the, um, in the thing as far as self-talk is, is a big part of that is that the renewed mind, he who rules a spirit is more powerful than somebody that takes a, a city. So it's very, very powerful. You know, it's interesting. We think of anger oftentimes as a powerful emotion. Have you ever thought that? Sometimes people actually prefer to get angry and they call it a meta-feeling sometimes. A meta-feeling means it's a feeling that's covering up a real feeling inside. Oftentimes, anger is a cover for hurt that's inside. But people are afraid to connect with feeling hurt because the hurt feels disempowering. The hurt makes you feel vulnerable and makes you feel fragile. So oftentimes, people hide their hurt by covering it up with anger. And so then there's no healing that gets to take place. You know, not being able to connect with the hurt of something. Um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll see another thing on anger. We're going to talk about this as far as um, it says in uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 26. I love this verse. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So this is it. It's saying, yes, anger, you can be angry, slow to anger but quick to let it go. So those are the keys, slow to get angry, 
quick to let it go. It says, be angry, but don't sin. The sin is in staying and harboring it till it becomes a poison inside of it, where us, where it turns into bitterness and resentment. Doesn't that feel terrible inside, bitterness? You know, you, you just get stuck on something. It's like, it, the Bible calls it a poison, a poison that lives inside of us. It says, so be angry and sin not by not letting the sun go down on your wrath. That means don't let a whole day go by where you're staying mad. It gives a time period. That's a short time period, isn't it? You get angry, and but by the time the sun goes down, you should do something else. You know, let it go. <laughs> the power of letting go, right? The series, The Power of Letting Go. Um, Anger should be, emotions should be a signal. They tell us that something's going on inside. So when we're feeling angry, a part of that, usually, there's different reasons. Sometimes we talked about this before. Uh, you know, emotions can be connected to something that's real or not real. But it tells us that the feeling is an alert that says something's going on. And so part of this is how do you move? Next week, we're going to talk about letting go of toxic relationships but we're also gonna be talking about how to resolve things in relationships because you don't just let go of relationships so quickly, but how do you work on difficult and challenging relationships and when is it time to let go? We're gonna talk about that next week as well. So anger, when we notice it, it means that we should move to resolve things. Let's go to Ephesians chapter four. It says in verse uh, 31, it says, let all bitterness you know, which we don't use that word bitter, bit, bitterness so much anymore, but if you look up the definition, it's basically resentment. It's, it's similar. It's, it's um, holding on to stuff. Let all bitterness, wrath, which is kind of like rage, you know, the really intense form of anger, anger, clamor, which is also being upset but speaking out, and evil speaking, which is talking crap about people, be put away with, <laughs> from you with all malice, which is the intention to do harm. It says, so put that away, let it go, right? In verse 32, it says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God and Christ forgave you. So guess what? The answer of letting this go, of letting go of the anger and resentment is forgiveness. So I'm going to talk a little bit about forgiveness because I think that there's so much that people misunderstand in the area of forgiveness. We're going to talk about what it is, what it is not, and how do you do it? So, easier said than done. What it is, the definition of it, is it's, it's to absolve from payment of a debt, for example, or to renounce anger or resentment against someone. So, to absolve from payment, that really is the technical definition. It means that, that you say, you don't owe me anymore. The opposite of forgiveness is when you want somebody to pay. You want, you're saying, You've been hurt, you've been wronged. The just thing is for somebody to pay for something that they've done wrong. That's justice, actually. Somebody does something wrong for them to pay for that. So forgiveness is saying, I know you owe me because you've wronged me, but I'm gonna let that go. I'm gonna say you don't have to pay me anymore. That's, that is the definition of forgiveness. Now, you have to, before you forgive, you have to acknowledge that there is a debt there. So what forgiveness is not, which people really get confused about, it is not acting like nothing happened. 
A lot of times, I used to think that that's what forgiveness looked like, pretending nothing, there was no real harm done to begin with. I wasn't really hurt, you know, to minimize. It's called minimizing or dismissing. That is not forgiveness. In fact, that's a really harmful thing because when you act when, like somebody did something hurtful and you act like it wasn't hurtful, it actually, the Bible talks about this, it calluses your heart so that you can't feel. You know, and it, it says that you can get where you're past feeling, that you can get so thick-skinned that you don't feel things anymore. That's not a healthy or a good thing to do. When we were kids in Pennsylvania, one of the things that, you know, we used to think was fun in the summertime, you know, when the pavement got hot, is running around on our bare feet. And at the beginning of the summer, it's really hot. It burns, it hurts really bad etc. But what was fun is doing it till you got thick calluses on your feet. Now that, you know, I'm an adult, it's not the prettiest thing on ladies when that happens. But, um, but what we used to think was funny is because you kept exposing yourself to something hurtful over and over and over again, and you repeat that, it builds a thick callus so much so that we used to think it was fun to stick pins in our, in our calluses on our feet. Like, ha ha, look, I can stick a pin in my foot because I don't feel anything. Well, what happens when you act like something is hurtful, there's many ways to sort of callous ourselves emotionally, but one of them is to act like something bad happened, act like it didn't happen. It makes us thick skin so we can't feel when hurt is being done. This is not forgiveness. In fact, it's hurtful because it'll skew your worldview because you will subject yourself to things that are really destructive and just be numb to it not feel it. So that is not the same thing as forgiveness. Um, minimizing or dismissing something that happened. Now, the other thing is it's not the same. This is one that people get really confused with. Forgiveness is not the same as trust. As trust. A lot of times people think you haven't really forgiven until you act like you totally trust that person again. A lot of times with trustworthy, unsafe, destructive people, they'll say, what's the matter? Don't you trust me? After they've just hurt you. It happens in abusive relationships all the time. Well, why don't you just act like it's fine? Get over it. What's your problem? Trustworthy, safe people. We talk about this in the dating workshop. People that are safe and trustworthy don't mind earning trust. You know you can predict what somebody's going to do? You can predict another person's behavior by what's been the track record of what they have done over a period of time. So trust, it makes no sense to give out trust unless it's warranted. Why would you risk something? Especially we talk about in, in the dating workshop, like your heart being so precious. You know, like giving something as precious as your heart away or anything. It's in, in the material world, it makes sense to us. If you had a friend of yours, you loan them your car, and they wrecked it drunk diving, would it make sense to give them your brand new car the next day and give them the keys to go wreck it again? It's the same thing, isn't it? Why, do we, why would that be outrageous to us to just turn around and trust somebody with something materially that had destroyed it? But somehow we're supposed to, our hearts and everything else, like we're supposed to restore the relationship and act like everything's fine when it's not fine. You can forgive but say, I don't trust you right now though. So things are going to be a little different in our relationship. You know, 
It's caused me to pull away emotionally, et cetera. Boundaries. We're going to talk about boundaries next week in the whole thing of letting go of toxic relationships. That, that there's alternatives to just light switching people and walking out or having walk out on people in your life. And it's called boundaries. So we'll talk about when to let go, et cetera. But you should trust somebody when the trust has been demonstrated that somebody's trustworthy over a period of time. And not like, like we want to give what we trust somebody with, you know, look at the value of what you're trusting them with. How precious is it? What is the risk? What is the possible loss with this? What has been the record? And that's how uh, you can forgive somebody but say, I don't trust you. No, you don't get the keys to my car today. I, I care about you. You can even say, I love you. I forgive you, but no, you don't get the car today, you know? So it's interesting because there's a difference between boundaries and punishing. We'll talk about that next week as well, where, where you're setting limits that, per, that protect you and help define you, and it's not punitive. You're not doing it to hurt somebody, etc. You're just doing things that are sane as far as limits in the relationship. Okay. So... What it isn't, it's not acting like anything happened, belittling, I mean, minimizing or dismissing, and it's not the same as trust. So how to forgive? The first part, strangely, of forgiveness is acknowledging that you've been wronged. So actually, the first response of anger at the beginning before you forgive somebody is actually fine. If the first reaction is being angry that you've been hurt, for, like I say, be angry but sin not, that's okay to understand. There's actually a book... Um, called Don't Forgive Too Soon. And what it talks about, that it's not real forgiveness unless you've actually acknowledged that, that there's been wrong done, okay? So that can be your first step. We just don't want to stay there. Now, why is it hard, actually? I want to talk about why it's hard to acknowledge that you've been hurt. Because sometimes people have a hard time saying that. I've been hurt. You know, all the time. And one of the things that, um, as a church, we're... Uh, wanting to do is make it a safe place to talk about difficult things where there's not shame attached. Because a lot of times we'll talk to people out there and, and we'll, somebody will say something, like a lot of times when people come to the dating workshop, they'll say some big heavy thing about, you know, oh, I got sexually abused or I got raped or something like that. And they'll go, but that's okay, because my life's fine now. Do you know, why is it hard to say a wrong has been done? Because that's part of it, because in order to forgive, you want to first acknowledge the wrong has been done, right? A couple reasons. One is it makes you feel like somebody got over on you or had power over you to say, I was truly hurt, kind of a thing, to be vulnerable. Um, another one is fear of losing a relationship, afraid people will leave. You know, you don't want to say you really were hurt or wronged for fear somebody will leave. And then another one is you're afraid to be a whiner. Like what will people think of you? You know, that you're just a big complainer or you're Debbie Downer or something like that. Or whatever the male equivalent to Debbie Downer is. What's a, <laughs> it's not just girls that do that. Anyway, so um, we're gonna talk more about how to forgive in uh, Matthew 18 and verse 21 and how often for, to forgive. I love this one. It says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now, this is a lot in life. You think about this. This is like Peter's, Peter's probably going, that would be really big of me, wouldn't it, Jesus? 
Some, like you think so. This is the same guy doing the same wrong deed. Somebody wrecks your car seven times in a row. Seven times would be a lot to forgive someone. You're like, the same thing, really? You learn nothing? You clearly have not learned your lesson after se you know, seven times in a row. And he's saying, he's saying to Jesus, how much? Seven? Would that be awesome? Lord, man, that's a big heart. I'm a big man, aren't I, to put up with that. Wouldn't you think so? Think about that in your life right now. People that do mean things to you seven times in a row and you're still forgiving, that's a big heart, right? Well, Jesus has another idea. He says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So 70 times seven is 492. So I, I'm, I'm thinking he didn't mean 493, no more forgiveness necessary, right? <laughs> it's a figure of speech. It's a figure of speech, 492. It is not like, he's just saying, it, it could be bad and you still want to forgive. And that might seem crazy. We'll talk about how to, how to do that. In verse 23, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which is... I should have looked it up before I came because I forgot how much. But it's a lot, a lot of money, right? Big money, 10,000 talents. Uh, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made, which is the way in Old Testament in their culture, um, if you had a debt and you couldn't pay, that's how you paid it off was basically hard labor. You got sold and worked it off um, for a period of years. Uh, and then in verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. In verse 28 it says, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owned him a hundred denarii, which is little. It's a, I forget. I should look this up, but it's like bubkiss, you know? It's like nothing. And then it says, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him into the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So it's kind of, one of the most powerful things that to forgive is remembering what we've been forgiven for and not losing sight of that. We've all been forgiven. There's all areas. Every single one of us has places in our lives that I know we think, I didn't deserve forgiveness in this. In some place, place you know. I've definitely had bigger ones that are more shameful probably than most people in this room. Um that I've shared before, you know, I, I um, if you haven't been here before, I mean, most of my life and all the relationships, I cheated on every person that I had been with. It's like dark, you know, while I was a Christian, 
wasn't like, oh, I got to be a Christian and I turned into this wonderful, shining person. And so that's despicable. It's a despicable way of behaving. And it helps me and it helps my heart to understand that Christ forgave me in that place and loved me unconditionally. To remember what I've been forgiven for. So maybe you guys haven't had as much dark stuff that has that kind of maybe shame attached to it, but there's all places, whether it's even the things that we think. Dark thoughts we've had, thoughts of wanting people to pay, maybe. You know, it's ironic, too, because if, you, if we want others to pay, which is an understandable thing, when you've been hurt, the initial reaction of wanting people to pay makes sense for the first, you know, initially. But it's, list, it's remembering what we have been forgiven for. You know when we are unforgiving to other people, it, it, it actually gets in the way of us seeing grace and Jesus' grace for us. If you're hard-hearted towards other people, guess what? You will also be being hard-hearted for yourself. You don't sit there and live in all this grace and all of, you know, just going, oh, yeah, Jesus cleansed me. I feel grace. I feel undeserving. And then you're hard-hearted towards everybody else. They go together. So part of forgiving, well, why we forgive is because what it does for us. Let me go to another one. Oh, you know, it's interesting. I wrote down a quote. I don't remember where I got it, but I really, I love this. Why we forgive is it benefits you. The quote was, unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. Not forgiving poisons you. It doesn't do jack diddly to that other person. They don't, it's not like they're going to get by with something because you forgive. It's you. When we are unforgiving, we're living in the jail cell of the bitterness towards that person. We pay the price. Why would we do that for somebody else's crime? So why we forgive is for why, so that we don't have to live with it, so we can let it go. The revenge, the wanting somebody to pay is a poison inside, staying with that. It just makes us live under the law. And in Luke uh, 23 and verse 34, this one gets me all the time. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. This is what Jesus said on the cross, and it always blows my mind. Because when I think about the fact that leading up to that moment that he said that, that he had thousands of people that were cheering and chanting, crucify him. People when Jesus did nothing but love. Talk about undeserved. Jesus spent his life ministering healing, loving people, loving sinners, loving people that fell short, and healing. I can't imagine the the sense of betrayal, to be on the cross and have people that you've loved and served screaming, crucify you, crucify you. That he looked at those people in the midst of that, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That he was looking at those people and asking God to forgive them because he, in his perspective, he was like, they don't understand what they're doing right now. You know, there's, there's the saying, hurt people hurt people. 
it helps sometimes like where Jesus's heart as far as how he forgave was saying they don't get it you know years ago when I first came to know Jesus and come into a relationship with him I remember I heard him speak to me that the people that had hurt me and abused me all my life did not they did not understand his love that helps my heart to forgive it helps my heart to be soft because there was a time that my heart was hard and bitter too that I've been a hurtful person to other people but I know Jesus's heart is forgive them for they know not what they do that it's unconditional that's how we forgive let's look at one more in Romans 12 so I know that the thought is sometimes you think and I've you know it's very common understandable well if I forgive they got by with it right how can I let them off the hook that way they got away with it it says in um, Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 beloved do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath for it is written Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So it's interesting because in this day, in this world, there are unjust things happening today. It says that the devil is the God of this world. God is not behind the injustice and the hurt that we see in the world today. It says, though, that there is a day coming, that there is a day when Christ returns where, where things will be restored and things will be just and that all people will stand before the Lord and be accountable for their actions. Um, another one, though, that also helps give me comfort because it's unfair and there's not, people don't always have to pay. But another one in the Bible that helps give us comfort, helps me get comfort, is that it says that people reap what they sow. You know, maybe people get by with stuff. Like I've seen people, especially, I don't know, you see, People, they might be rich and successful, and from the world standpoint, they got it all going on. I know, I know some people like that that are royal jerks. They are buttholes to the max, like hurtful, destructive people that look like they got by with it because they are just in fat cat city living a big old life. But I'll tell you something, that since the Bible says you reap what you sow, I know absolutely that those people, you cannot have any good relationships when you are a butthole. You know, you, sorry, is it, am I not supposed to be saying these things? Hey, I'm... <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you could be... Some people look at it and go, well, see, they got by with it because they're rich and successful. People think money is the big be-all, end-all. I don't care how rich you are. If you treat people like jerks, you will not have any great relationships. I'm going to... Again, I work in entertainment. There's, you know, creepy old men married to supermodel girls and got all kinds of money. You see that all, all the time. You know, but I'm saying, this is not a good relationship. You're getting relationships because you've got money? What kind of lousy relationship is that? Somebody's going to leave you and take all your money. You know what I'm saying? This is crap. This is not a good life. You reap what you sow. It's better to have deep relationships that you can only have by having some integrity, by having love, by having compassion. If you don't want to work on stuff, there is a price to pay people in this life even. 
It might not be so obvious when we just look at these people, but if people are hurting others and not repenting and not changing and going around destroying one after another after another's lives, they're not getting by with it as we think. Their lives suck. I don't want that kind of life. That's why it's better to forgive and to be the kind of person that does not live with poison inside of us, that does not live with the resentment, with bitterness, that we can have lives that are full and rich, that we can love freely, that we can give our hearts, that we can set boundaries, which we're going to talk about next week in the relationships part of letting go. People could get over us in one thing, but we get to have awesome lives. They got to get stuck with the bitterness. Some of you people know the people I'm talking about, right? They didn't get by with anything. They get to get stuck with their lousy, you know, deceitful, betraying. Do you know what I'm saying? All of that. People reap what they sow. Does that help you to know you can forgive? They didn't get by with anything. Okay. One more, actually, um, before I close this out. Oh, and you know what? It might take time to forgive. Forgiveness is a process, and you might need to return to it. I've found sometimes I've forgiven, and then, you know, I'll be feeling real peaceful. Months will go by, and all of a sudden, I start getting mad again. You know, you're sitting there, with, gosh, that, why, oh, they did that to me, and oh, I want to make them pay. And then I'm like, oh, okay, got to go back to forgiveness. This is not a place I want to stay. I just, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I'm not at peace with this. This doesn't bless me. I'm like festering. We talked about that as far as like about things that are out of our control on week one of letting go, focusing on all these things you can't control are poison. Same thing with people that you wish would pay and aren't going to pay and aren't going to get it and aren't ever going to repent. You know, there's people like that, right? We want to let it go so we don't have that. But it's fine. So the worse the crime like that somebody committed, it might take a while. If you were sexually abused, it's probably not something in a month you're going to be just fine with. I think if, if you're fine in a month, then I'm thinking you're probably minimizing, dismissing, not forgiving is my guess, you know? Because it takes, pro it's, it, there's a process. The other thing too is you can't forgive yourself. You need to receive forgiveness. A lot of people go, oh, forgive yourself, forgive yourself. Well, you know, go to a collection agency and tell them, I forgive myself. <laughs> Forgiveness is you owe somebody else, right? So you got, you know, they have to forgive and, and go wipe out the debt, not you. So in 1 John, you need outside, you know. 1 John 1 and verse 7, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship or full sharing one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That we, it's just a matter of receiving. Jesus Christ forgave each and every one of us in this room right now, no matter what. You think about the darkest part of your life, whatever that might be. I got a lot of them. You know, the parts that you, that you carry the most shame of, of things you've done, things you've thought, etc. Jesus Christ, his blood paid the price. You don't ever have to pay. Never, ever do you have to pay for that. It's free. He doesn't take it back. You could be a jerk after you're forgiven, and guess what? He's still not going to take it back from you. 
It is a free gift, his forgiveness. So we get to have a choice. We can be a, a bitter, resentful person, or we can pass on the forgiveness that we've received because we realize we're not deserving of the forgiveness. We just aren't. We didn't pay for it. He gave his love. He loves us unconditionally and wiped this light clean. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and goodness that I have tasted and experienced in ways I just... Your, your forgiveness is delicious, Lord, and needed, and I am desperate for it. Help us all to pass on, to pass on the forgiveness that you've given us, to have our hearts be tender and gentle and loving, Lord, in the places that people have hurt us. Um, thank you, Lord, for, the name of, for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.